This is what a lot of people came to see is Ben Joyce, the hardest thrower in the world. How about that? Said Joyce here. And there's the 102. Round of applause for that one. And another 102. Here's one, two. I don't do them. One, oh, but I do a lot. For the punch. I'm going to make a toast because we're still alive. The volunteer no big. Feel like pop. Shoot a shot. I'm coming in. Yo, what up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross. But wait, we don't have Randy. We got Mike Hughes with us tonight, the host of the Mike on the Mic podcast. He's joining us. He's going to give us his insight, his perspective, along with Jim. We got episode 21 titled The Volunteer Fireman because we got Angel's Prospect and Trash Panda himself, Ben Joyce, joining us. Jim, I don't want to mess around. Let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, Angel's Prospect. Trash Panda, former Tennessee volunteer on the show, Ben Joy. All right, Ben, my man, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, no worries. Glad to have you. Glad it worked out. Um, Obviously, you know, before we jump into your story, I have a very pressing question. And this is a question, it, it's, it's kind of going to go off script a little bit, because the first question that was proposed that I ask you talked about Tennessee uh, football. I don't really care too much about that. What I really want to know is, and a lot of people want to know this, what exactly Obviously, you play, you've been playing for Rocket City, all right? They are the trash pandas, but everybody has mm -hmm. their own definition of what a trash panda is. I need to know from a player, what is a trash panda? I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think anyone on the team has any idea what it means. Um, but all, all I know is they did the greatest thing ever making that name because, I mean, everybody knows about the trash pandas. Like, for a minor league team, it's been pretty crazy just – Everyone's like, oh my gosh, play for the trash pandas. Like I've never I've never seen that much hype around a, a minor league team, but I really have no idea what ben, it is, but I love it. And and it was fun to play for them. So Daniel will tell you that I've had this uh hat since that team was created. And uh it just so happens it's autographed on top by Houston Harding when he played there last year. But I mm. bought this hat just because, like you said, like it was like the logo was awesome, the name was awesome. I was like, I was all about it. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, I got I got some uh, I got some of their merchandise just from being there because I just thought it was so cool and I just wanted to have some. I mean, it's it's super catchy and, and all their stuff's really cool. So the whole like minor league like mascot like there's no better mascot names than in minor league baseball. Like it, it's it's they're all legit and they're all <laughs> marketable and I think that's the whole point. Um, you know. With the trash pandas, I was talking to Jim about this. I feel like there's no exact definition of what exactly it is. I think it's just like a, a way of life. It's like an experience. Like you, it's like <laughs> it, you don't know it unless you're in it. So 
you know, maybe one day I'll get to experience Rocket City and, and, and what that's all about, man. But I'm going to be I'm going to be there on dollar beer and dollar hot dog night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, the, the way you put it, that's actually a great way to put it. Like, you don't know about it until you're there. Um, but the games are awesome. They're, they're a lot of fun and the atmosphere is pretty cool. So you definitely need to experience it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a baseball guy. I'll, I'd love I'd love nothing more than to visit Rocket City and, and, and experience everything that goes into that. But speaking of experiences, man, um, you know, you're a University of Tennessee guy. University of Tennessee just had maybe the biggest win um, to date um, mm-hmm. in, in history. They, they took down Alabama. It was in Knoxville. Did you happen to be at the game or have an opportunity to go to the game or were you just watching along with all the other ball fans on TV? Yeah, I got, I got the chance to go. Um, that was awesome. I was, I mean, I've been a Tennessee fan my whole life. Uh, I was six years old the last time we beat Alabama. So it was awesome to be a, be a part of that. And I think that was probably, I mean, a top three college football game ever. So it was, it was pretty crazy to, to get to go there and watch that. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a, not a fan of Tennessee, you know, but just having the opportunity to watch that game, it was very entertaining, very good game. And you could tell it was against two of the best teams out there. I mean, obviously you can turn on the TV on a Saturday and watch a number of different teams play, but those two teams are different than most. And and mm-hmm. you saw you saw that on showcase. You got to see a regular season matchup against two powerhouses that are, are going to have something big to play for at the end of the season. You can tell. Um, and you'll, I'll tell you a question I got for Ben is, you know, what, what were you rocking? Cause you know, Drew beam goes all out. Uh, Daniel, I know you're not a big social media guy. You got to go check out what cheese is wearing. It, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like a skirt, which I asked him about. And now he actually wants to get a Tennessee checkerboard kilt. Um, he thinks that will be, oh my goodness. Fly. But it's these guys, these these guys all come rock out. So I mean, what were you what were you wearing? Were you just wearing normal stuff, or did you go all out? I mean, I was just wearing normal. I was wearing all orange polo, orange hat, um, then just some normal shorts. I wasn't quite as crazy as Chad. Um, I got I got to see him at the game, and I, his outfit was awesome. <laughs> when yeah, I t- wasn't quite I wasn't quite that outgoing, but yeah. I was wearing my orange for sure. When we talk about, you know, the trash pandas being an experience, I think Chad Dallas is an experience. <laughs> like, he is, like, he marches to the beat of his own drum. I mean, obviously, we had him on, you know, not too long ago, and the guy's showing up with a cut-off denim button-down, just <laughs> just looking like exactly the way you would picture him to look. But I don't, I don't want to get off the – topic and get on cheese i want to talk about throwing cheese and i want to talk about you in particular man but um before we you know dive into you know the the career we got to go back to where you are from man so tell us a little bit about where you're from yes i was born in knoxville tennessee actually i'm an identical twin uh we were were born in knoxville tennessee uh and then we moved for a year to new york upstate new york and then moved to maryland for a few years. And then I moved back to Knoxville when I was about seven. So I've, I've pretty much lived in Knoxville my whole life for, for most of what I can remember. Um, I mean, I've always been a, been a Tennessee fan um, growing up and it was always kind of a dream or a dream to play at Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I mean, grew up 
mostly in Knoxville, have an identical twin, um, two parents. Uh, mom, mom is Joni Joyce, dad is Alan Joyce, uh, two dogs. Just kind of, it was just us four normally um, growing up in Knoxville. So with the twin brother, who's older and by how long? I'm older by four minutes. <laughs> Got a little bragging rights there. I bet that holds a lot in that house. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we were competing in everything. Like, we'd measure our height every week, see who was taller. Like, just literally, we were all, it was awesome just having that to grow up with, just having someone to compete with every day. I think that helped a lot. So when you're, when you're competing, is, is baseball the sport growing up, or did you play multiple sports? Honestly, we kind of played everything we could growing up. Um, basketball, we played some football, swimming, just kind of whatever we could get into just to be outside. We, we loved being outside and just doing anything. Um, but I think baseball was kind of always our our favorite. Uh, we kind of gravitated towards that. But we when we were younger, we kind of tried to do everything. Gotcha. So as a kid growing up, you, you know, from Knoxville, move around a little bit. You come back to Knoxville. But, you know, living out there, who are you following? Like, who's your favorite athlete at the time? Uh, for me, I've always been a big uh, Max Scherzer fan growing up he was kind of my favorite pitcher to watch uh Clayton Kershaw was a big one as well um we we were big uh football fans our team's the, the Steelers um so we, we would always be into that but I mean baseball was always Max Scherzer was the name that sticks out for me uh just kind of the way that he was all fiery on the mound and and just watching him go up there and, and do his thing was awesome um when, whenever he lived that was actually my first game I went to was a Nationals game when he was with them um so that was kind of always my favorite guy growing up you know I just uh felt my age a little bit um <laughs> you you mentioned your favorite player who is still playing yeah might, might I add like Jim and I Mike Mike you're young enough to where you could probably relate to him and we're the your same age favorite, yeah. your favorite player probably is still playing Jim and I's favorite player ain't been playing for a, a long, <laughs> long ass time. So um, that's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Max Scherzer, obviously Clayton Kershaw, two of the best. Um, sure. You know, with them being your idols, are you trying to be a pitcher because of them, or you're already like baseball's my thing? Like I already know that I'm gonna be pretty good at this, and I just want to pitch. Or was it because of them? watching what they do you're like that's what I wanted honestly I think it's kind of a mix of both like I always wanted to kind of be like that I always wanted to be like the big guy like future hall of famer guy but I mean I was I never really had that talent growing up like I wasn't ever like one of the best guys or or sticking out growing up so it was kind of I guess it was something I aspired to be but I I kind of wanted to be a pitcher just because it's what I love to do at the same time Um, I kind of just I fell in love with that Ever since, I mean, ever since Kid Pitch started, that was kind of my favorite thing. So you you fell in love with baseball. You you, you kind of mimic your game. You start, you know, having two two idols that are obviously the best. Um, you know, during this time, you're getting ready to make your way into high school. What high school did you attend? I went to Farragut High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, it's a pretty pretty well known baseball program around East Tennessee. Um, so that that was that was awesome to. Kind of, we kind of got started in the program in middle school. The Farragut Middle School program kind of feeds into the 
into the high school one and just kind of getting that culture and seeing guys like Nicky Delmonico, Nick Senzel, um, a, a lot of big names that went through Farragut. It was just kind of cool to have those role models every day and, and see what they did to, to get to where they are. And um, I mean, the culture there just kind of really helped prepare me for everything that came after that. Is Farragut a traditional high school or is it a private school or? Uh, it's just a traditional public high school. Gotcha. So Daniel, uh, I, I, got, I got you one for, uh, I was looking at notable alumni, Chris Moneymaker, World Series Poker Champion. Yeah, he's oh, wow. yeah, that's when like poker just started like blowing up. Like Chris Moneymaker mm -hmm. wins the World Series of Poker. I think he won like a million dollars and, you know, maybe 10, yeah. I don't know. But like the prize pool now is like ridiculous. But um, obviously, you know, you, you spend some time at Farragut. Farragut, you said, was uh, it was a middle school that fed into the high school. Did I hear that correctly? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was. I mean, we kind of once you made the middle school team, you were kind of on track to to eventually be on the on the high school team. Did you have like eighth graders playing on the high school team or was that not allowed? No, we didn't have that. My, the Farragut actually had a like freshman team, a JV team, and a varsity team. Um, so it, it was mostly just – I mean, there was no eighth graders ever going up to high school. Gotcha. So, you know, I, I hear stories of like, you know, you know I'm, I'm in Florida. So, like, in Tampa, we have private schools that have that middle – like, it's middle school feeding into the high school, but you have like eighth graders that are playing varsity level with, you know, 10th and 11th and 12th graders. Mm -hmm. um, and usually those eighth graders, when you, you run it through fruition, they end up being like top recruits in the country mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. So it's interesting to see how you guys, you know, um, had the system going, but obviously you had like an, an amazing, like growth spurt like an eight inch growth spurt your senior year. Um, how did it feel like from like, what was the comparison and the feeling from one year on the bump and then the next year, eight inches taller where, where other teams like, Holy shit, who is this guy? Like what, what happened here? Yeah, honestly, I mean, even going back into middle school and, and younger, I was always one of the smaller guys and, I mean, I, I was always probably the hardest worker, but I was always one of the smaller guys. So I never really got to see any anything come out of that hard work. I was just kind of trying to eventually like get something out of it. And I mean, going into high school, I was on JV my freshman, sophomore year and made varsity my junior year. And then going, I didn't pitch much. And then going into my senior year, I kind of hit that growth spurt. Um, and I was almost like I was a completely different person. Like I remember coming back from summer break and everyone was like, what the heck happened to you? kind of thing and then um finally I think I hit like 92 my senior year and everyone was like who is this kid like where did this come from because I think the year before I was throwing like 83 um so it just kind of was a pretty drastic jump and um and then the summer after my senior year I was up to 95 and that was kind of when it started to get exciting like finally seeing some of the hard work pay off and um seeing actual results coming from from everything I've been going through for the last couple of years. Now, DB, yeah. DB I didn't want to, I didn't want to intrude, but I saw this question when Jim was writing it up. And uh, as a brother who's still only five nine on a good day, Ben, I do got to ask you, 
what did happen that summer? Was there something in the water? How do you, is there there a chance for me if I go down to Knoxville right now and just start eating? If there was something in the water, I didn't know about it, but um, I I was just eating a bunch of food and just trying to put on weight as much as I could. And then all of a sudden, it was just kind of like the blink of an eye and it it happened. It was like eight inches in one year. uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but it was it was a pretty crazy year for me. Just kind of the transformation that happened. Did you get a lot taller than your brother? No, we it was actually kind of crazy. We hit the growth for pretty much the exact same time. Like we were always just kind of growing together. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say I'm maybe like an inch taller than him. But it was it was pretty pretty much the same the whole way. You know, it's it's another one of those cases where. These guys come on the show and they have all this these genetics and they they just take take them all and they hoard them. They don't pass it to us regularly. I mean, folks. just a couple inches is all we're asking. You know, not much. Just one or two, yeah. man. I just want to be. Yeah. Super. Yeah. It's actually funny. Like if you if you saw my my parents, you'd never you'd never know. I mean, my my mom and dad are both like five eight, five nine. So it was always kind of I was always trying to like get up to the same level as my dad, and then all of a sudden I shot up way past him and i don't know how it happened well i mean you shoot up eight inches obviously you're cutting distance from the mound to the plate significantly from one year to the next you jump up from you know 83 you jump 11 miles an hour you're throwing you know 94 95 eventually and then your senior year you help the admirals you know lead them to the state playoffs and then you know, most notably that season, you get clocked at throwing 100. So, Ben, when you throw 100, is it a difference in who is noticing you in colleges? Um, or was it the same colleges when you were hitting 92, 93 as you were when you hit 100? Yeah, well, I actually, I didn't hit 100 until after that season. So it was kind of too late to to go to a – to a different college I was already committed to Walter State at that point um but you definitely could feel like the the attention kind of rising there were still teams reaching out and, and even some professional scouts which was pretty crazy to me considering I almost I mean I almost didn't even play baseball in college it was kind of like a, a a connection that got me to Walter State um and so yeah it was kind of crazy to see that transformation and, and the attention come with it from from different colleges and then I mean even in junior college the the attention from bigger schools was pretty crazy yeah man I'll tell you this that would have been a shame a guy like you with no place to play (laughs) and and had I been coaching at University of Tampa like I had been let me find a guy throwing 95 with no place to play (laughs) I'll I'll quickly find you a place to play Um, but man Obviously, you said you committed, you know, earlier before you were throwing 100 um, to Walter State. And I bet Walter State was like, oh, shit, man, we just hit the jackpot with this guy. I mean, he was throwing this. Now he's throwing that. Man, like, what was it about Walter State where you were like, man, that's the place for me? Or was, you know, like a lot of stops in the JUCO, it's, it's just a pit stop and it's to catapult you to wherever you're going to go next. You just need a place to figure out where that next is. That's kind of how I saw it. Honestly, it's kind of like a pit stop. Like I need these two years to develop and, and actually get to pitch. Cause I really didn't throw many innings in, 
in high school. So I needed to actually pitch and, and actually just kind of figure out, figure out some things there. Um, but it was, it was pretty exciting to, to know that I had two extra years to just kind of develop and, and put what I could into my body and, and just really try to make the most out of those two years and then end up at Tennessee, which was, which was a dream come true. Without a doubt. And obviously, before we get into everything going on with Tennessee, um, your first year as a true freshman, Ben, you didn't you don't see any playing action. You don't see any playing time. Nothing really goes the way you wanted to. But you're throwing 100 miles per hour. Can you kind of explain to us kind of what went into that and why you don't you, you think you didn't see as much playing time as you typically would now? Yeah, well, I actually had a, uh, a stress fracture in my elbow. Um, the fall before my my freshman year there and I, I couldn't throw for I think it was five months and then I had to do the whole it was basically like the Tommy John throwing program um after that so I kind of used that year to to build up my body as much as I could lifting weights and, and nutrition and, and everything and I think that was honestly the best thing that could have happened for me because I think what I got out of that with with my body and and training and getting my arm where it needs to be, I think kind of led up to the, the next couple of years after that. Without a doubt, UCL injuries, DB, are uh, very dangerous. Ben, if you don't, you might not get that one, but uh, I, I get I get ragged on here pretty often. But so <laughs> your sophomore year, obviously, you know, a lot of people do say after typical elbow injuries, you know, you, you come out pumping, you come out a lot stronger than the years prior. You go bananas. I mean, you go absolutely insane. You have posted a 3-1 record with a 4.79 ERA and struck out 35 batters in 20.2 innings before COVID hit. Um, one of the biggest things, you know, whether it be learning from coaches or whether it be something you learned about yourself, what would you say you took away from your time at Walters? And, and what was that really, what was that season really like for you? I think for me, it, it was awesome just getting out there and getting the pitch and and show people what I've what I've really worked for for all those years and never really got to actually get to pitch just because of injuries and and growth spurts and a bunch of stuff that was going on. So it just kind of showed me how much I, I loved pitching and how much I enjoyed the game of baseball. And um, and it, it really kind of helped me solidify, like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I want to, like, pursue professional baseball after this just because I realized, like, I can do this and and, and I'm, I'm good enough to play at the next level. Um, but it, it was awesome year. It was, it was, it was sad that it had to get cut short because of COVID. Cause I mean, that team was pretty good. And I think we would have made the, the world, the junior college world series. That would have been an awesome experience, but I mean, it really makes you appreciate, appreciate a lot more playing at a junior college and then going to a school like Tennessee. It just, it just makes you appreciate it a lot more and just realize just kind of like why you're playing the game of baseball. It's not always, glamorous there but you're playing it because you love the game and you want to get to the next level without a doubt and you know one of the biggest things and, and it's db has mentioned it many times to me you know it's not just about baseball and sports it's about life you can go from being you know a nobody who doesn't have a spot on a diamond to having all the offers in the world so following that season if you could i mean you don't you don't got to sit here and you know go down your list of flexes but how many teams truly did reach out to you about committing somewhere else and and what were those conversations really like yeah, there were there was quite a few in that fall leading up to to that sophomore season. Um, it was pretty it was pretty awesome to just kind of know like I finally made it to the level where I'm I'm having these options now where I can kind of choose choose where I want to spend the next few years. But 
uh, I think for me, it was kind of, I always knew I wanted to go to Tennessee. And when I, when I saw the campus and I mean, I've seen it plenty of times, but I kind of got a more like in-depth look at the campus and met the coaching staff. I was like, this is where I want to go. And it was kind of an easy choice for me, but it, I mean, it was exciting when it kind of picked up with the, on the recruiting trail for sure. Without a doubt. And that was actually our next question was kind of talking about, you know, the process in picking Tennessee, but to kind of further that, um, how much of it did matter that that's that's the hometown that's that's exactly where you want to be that's exactly what you always dreamed you know how was that really understanding like yo this is this is where I'm at and I'm going to be a part of Tennessee history yeah that was that was huge for me and I mean when I was getting recruited by them it was I mean talking to coach Vitello I knew he wanted to change things there and they'd already started changing it I mean the year I was getting recruited they made it to the regional uh, lost to North Carolina in the finals of the regional. Uh, so, I mean, that was completely different from when I'm growing up, going to camps there. And I mean, there's 200 people there for an SEC series. And then now they're selling out midweek games. It was just crazy to see the transformation and know that I was going to potentially be a part of that was, was a big thing for me going to Tennessee. Without a doubt. So Mike, man, you know, I don't know if you heard on the last episode, but I'm going to tell Ben, Man, when Tommy White comes on here and says that Tony Vitello was sitting in his living room, I immediately thought I would just commit right there to Tennessee. But my man, thankfully, because I'm an LSU fan, my man thankfully went down to Baton Rouge, spent a weekend there, and didn't even go to Knoxville, which maybe, you know, secretly, Ben, I think there might have been something to that. I think think Tommy, you know, he may not have said it, but I think he knows that if he would have went to Knoxville – he might have committed there, so he went ahead and did LSU before he had to really put his uh his brain to the test. Because <laughs> being around that campus, being around Tony D, being around the players on that team, I don't I don't know, man. It that that's a tough picking between LSU and Tennessee is something. I really I really think Coach Vitello is one of a kind. It's I mean it's it's awesome to see how how he does his his business and. I mean, I think Knoxville's awesome. I might be a little biased there, but no, I, mean, I think um, it's one of a kind. We we talk about him uh, constantly. We obviously have had him on this show. He's uh he's actually number number three, I believe, on our charts. Uh, but you know, if he ran for mayor tomorrow, Ben, is he getting elected? Oh my gosh, he could do anything in the city, <laughs> literally anything. But yeah, he, he's getting elected if he if he runs for mayor, a hundred percent. So you talked about it when you were at Walters and you started talking about the lifting. Um, One of the things this past season at Tennessee that I was reading up on you and, you know, I actually was like kind of discrediting some of it, Ben. I couldn't believe it because just when I know all these baseball players, I see their workout routines. And when I see the the weight that you're lifting, I see the, the lifts that you're doing. Like, you know, you talked about it started back then, like, you know, you don't have necessarily the normal baseball player mentality in the weight room. What gives you that drive to, to lift heavy and work so hard? I think for me, it started just kind of back in middle school, and even before when I was always one of the smaller guys trying to make the team. I mean, I, I barely made the middle school team, barely made the high school team, was on JV for two years and, and then just battling through injuries and stuff. And it just kind of puts that chip on your shoulder and it makes you really want to work, work even harder to prove yourself. And I mean, prove it to others, but also just prove it to yourself. Like you can, you can do this, this crazy thing. Like, I mean, throw, I never thought about throwing a ball 105, but like, I, I never would have doubted it. If you asked me when I was in sixth grade, like, I was like, why, why can't I do that? Like, I mean, I'm going to, going to push myself every day to try to do something like that. Absolutely. So in the weight room, like you, you can pick one lift. What's your favorite lift? 
I think for me, it's probably deadlift. Uh, I think it's one thing that's correlated the most for me in, in the baseball. Um, and I just feel like it's kind of like one of those lifts where you can really gain some power from it. What's, uh, what's your uh, highest max ever? My highest max ever was, I think, 655 for three, maybe. I think that was the most I've ever done. I never like just done one rep. I, I don't know what I could get there. Daniel, what's your, what's yours? Because you know you're the CrossFit guru. Four hundred, man. You lie. You a damn lie. Well, you, yeah, I, I, man. I think his profile picture has him doing more than four hundred. He's so full of it. It ain't. It ain't. This this ain't about me. Ah, uh, look, look. He did Ben. I think me. he just didn't want to say more weight than you. I think that's what just yeah. happened. But it's all it's good. Okay. So, you know, you get to Knoxville, you know, we talk about it. It's, it's where you're from. It's the school you wanted to go to when you get there. I mean, you know, what's the emotion like, is it surreal that you're actually there, you know, as a student at university of Knoxville coming from Walters, like you said, didn't think you were even going to play college baseball. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a pretty crazy feeling. I remember, uh, I remember calling my dad one of the first days there after practice, I was just sitting on the field, like just sitting there. Like, I cannot believe I'm here right now like after all of this and I'm finally here where I've always wanted to be. And I mean, I, I, my, my ultimate dream is obviously to play professional baseball, but like, this is obviously a big goal for me to, to be at Tennessee and just be in there and being a part of the team and, and knowing that I was in a position to play a, a decently big role on the team was, was really exciting for me and, and something that I kind of had to sit back for a second and just think about like how crazy it was that I was there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, when I asked Ben this question, brace yourself. So freshman season, Ben, you redshirt because you're coming off surgery. For those who don't know, what was the injury and what was the surgery? Um, I got I had a stress fracture in my elbow. Um, I, I did not have to get surgery, but that was uh, I had a stress fracture in my elbow. You did not have surgery, man. I tell you what, I read reports that said that you did have to have Tommy John. Maybe I was wrong. Oh, I, I had Tommy John my my first year at Tennessee. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. So during oh, okay, that, yeah. So coming in that, and then you redshirted because of that, correct? Yes, yes. I had uh, tore my UCL in our first scrimmage of the fall. I had to get Tommy John. What? What? Can you can you repeat that again? What did you tear? <laughs> my UCL. It's it's a it's a running joke, and he won't get it. But I don't understand like why everybody's. I don't know. It's funny. I don't know. I don't get it. Ben, do you get it? Hey, Ben, do you do you get the joke? Yeah, I do not. I don't get the joke either. I, I, don't, I don't even remember what player it was that we had on here now. It was uh, you know what's ironic? It was Preston. That was Preston Johnson, who's now having Tommy John. Okay, then. Um, crazy. World's a cold place when you make fun of someone. <laughs> so, so what's uh, what's the recovery time? Like, I know it's different, Ben. You know, obviously, medically, there's advances. It also depends on um, the tear, if it comes off the bone, you know, all the things. You know, sometimes it could be eight months. Sometimes it could be 14. What, what was the timeline on your recovery? Uh, for me, I started, I started lifting at three months. I started uh, tossing at five months. And I think I threw in my first scrimmage at nine or 10 months. Are yeah. they so was back in games at like around 10 months? Ben, are, the, are doctors telling you anything about like, you know, you have a stress fracture and you rehab and, and you're able to come back. You then have Tommy John. Is anybody at some point going, hey, man, like you may not be what you were when this is all said and done just because 
you're out there lifting, you're out there throwing max, max effort. I mean, you're, you're, you got velocity, you're a big dude. Like, is that ever like a thought in your mind that, you know, am I going to be able to do what I did previous? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's the hardest part of the, the whole rehab process is just kind of getting it through your head that you can be the same or better than before. You don't have to be worried about, I mean, if you're just thinking about injuring yourself again, it's going to be really hard to go out there and enjoy playing. So I think that's kind of the hardest thing. And I mean, there's, there's people telling you like, just prepare yourself. Like it could, like some people just don't feel the same after, like you hear stories. I mean, there's definitely that outside noise, but you just kind of, I think that's the one thing you just got to, kind of get that out of your head and, and tell yourself like you you can come back and you can continue to do the things that you enjoy to do like lift heavy and and I mean go out there and throw a max effort because if if you're not doing those things you're not enjoying it then really what's the point of playing yeah so you redshirt that that year but you absolutely have the best seat in the house to an absolutely amazing season um you know I want to know a few different things, a few different questions about the 2021 season in which, you know, Tennessee obviously made the run to Omaha. Um, just right off the top, man, do you remember uh, what your favorite series was? Uh, I think for me, the uh, the LSU one was pretty crazy. Mm. Um, that y'all, was... made my, y'all made my coach cry, Ben. Come on, man. Oh, he's, uh, that, that he's, your, man. he's, he's your coach now? <laughs> well, he's not he's not LSU's coach anymore, but at that time, yeah, he was my coach. It's crazy. I wonder why he left. <laughs> Look, they say, Daniel, that if you wear the jersey as a fan, you're part of the team, okay? So he's my coach. <laughs> All right. So was there a favorite game? And and I and I have an idea that you may say what I think, but what was the, what was your favorite game, favorite moment of that season? I mean, I think it's kind of everyone's favorite moment. Uh has got to be that right state uh grand slam. I mean, that was that was probably the most surreal baseball moment I've ever, I've ever experienced. I've watched about 20 different versions on TikTok of that 1 billion times. And I'm not exaggerating. Daniel and Mike can confirm. I never get Jim, tired of it. Jim is all of the views of those TikToks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, hey. I mean, it's literally one of those things where I think I could watch it and just never, never get tired of it. Ben, I'll ask you, cause we've asked all the guys to, did you guys look past Wright State just a little bit? No, I honestly like we we kind of when we got that regional uh, draw, we were we were all kind of like wow like that is probably one of the better teams we could be playing right now. Like it was kind of it was kind of uh, we knew we got a tough draw for that regional, and I mean look at their stats. Everyone's hitting like 330, 340, 360. Like they, I mean we knew they were going to be a good teams. So I don't think we looked past them, but. I think it was kind of one of those, like, I don't know. It was, just, it was just, like, kind of supposed to be a game like that, I feel like. It was like we had to win, and, and we ended up coming out with that at, at the end. But, I mean, it, that, that, was a, that was something I'll never forget for the rest of my life, for sure. Ben, really quick, I want to loosen you up a little bit, bro. You, you can be real. Like, you didn't overlook them. Yeah, they bat 340. You throw over 100. Just say it, bro. Like, you weren't worried. You weren't tripping about it. But he wasn't them. getting it. He was, he was a spectator, so, I mean, he had yeah. a different view. It's all good. Yeah. Ben was not worried. We weren't worried, DB. <laughs> Next I, I, question. 
<laughs> and so with that, you know, hey, I'm going to put, you know, it's funny that Mike says, loosen you up. We ask all the guys because we've had so many Tennessee players, you know, we, we make y'all answer the uncomfortable questions. If I had to ask you who your favorite player to watch from that team was, who is it? Pitch I'm honestly going to have to say, say Sean Hunley. I mean, that dude just went out there every single game and no one could hit him. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, Sean, Sean's a guest of the show. Uh, he's absolutely – he's fiery, you know, all you guys are but uh, as, as pitchers. But, yeah, he has that same – that fire and energy that you have on the mound. So, I could I could see why you'd pick him uh, on top of the fact that he pitched so well. Um, so, you know, 2022 comes, you know, y'all obviously came up short in Omaha, but all this talent that y'all have – um, you know, you were there, so we know how hungry you are. But the difference between, you know, this past year and the year before is um, everybody knows about you. You're no longer the hunter. You're the hunted. So, you know, let me ask you honestly, did you expect going into that season, even though y'all were hungry, even though you had the talent, did you expect to be that damn good? No, not not at all. I mean, I, I, I want to be like, yeah, I thought we were going to be the best team ever. But, like, I didn't think it was be like that. That was – I mean, that was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. Yeah, no doubt. And so for you individually, you had a two and one record with a 2.23 ERA in 32 and a third innings with 53 strikeouts. Uh, you know, you got action right out the gate opening weekend on that Sunday against Georgia Southern. How did it feel, man, to toe the rubber finally in Lindsey Nelson in that Tennessee uniform? Oh, my gosh. My adrenaline was out of the roof. I was. I felt like I couldn't even feel my legs. It was like the, I've been, I felt I was like, I've been waiting for this for my entire life. And then, and then I've only been in two pitches and I got a ground out, but I mean, it was, it was awesome to be up there for the first time and just kind of experience the crowd. Cause it, it was, I think I want to say it was sold out. Um, so it was, it was awesome to, to finally get up there and wear the Tennessee Jersey in an actual game and, and be pitching. Yeah. And then talking about something, you know, um, huge and monumental I actually went and saw y'all in the Shriners Classic so you know talk about towing the rubber at Lindsey Nelson but you know next thing you know you're at Minute Maid Park pitching against Baylor and Oklahoma you know what was that like yeah that was awesome um, I'm, I was really glad we got to to do that and experience that big league stadium and I mean playing against Texas there was was an awesome atmosphere just it was it felt like honestly like a true road game uh, against Texas there and then Baylor and Oklahoma games were awesome. I mean, just that whole experience was was really cool. Um, and just kind of seeing that different perspective, like that that big stadium, it was kind of cool to, to feel that, be on the mound, and just kind of look around and, and see how big that stadium was. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely puts a, a different perspective. And, you know, obviously now a journey that you're on to, uh, to be playing in those on the regular, hopefully. But let's talk about, you know, one of the biggest stories in baseball, not just college, but even professional. On May 1st, you know, you got clocked at 105.5 miles per hour. You know, you've consistently all season thrown 103, 104. I've seen you in person do it numerous times. But, you know, you took it to a whole nother level. But my question for you and, you know, does it feel the same or did you happen to know? Like, is it one of those things that it's just the radar gun told you or did you happen to know that you threw the ball harder than normal? That's a great question. Honestly, I, that was the – it was definitely the radar gun that told me because, I, I mean, I came back in after that inning and, I mean, I had no clue. Um, I just remember I came in and, and Jared Dickey was like, hey, man, you're throwing pretty hard today. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it feels good. 
Um, I'm feeling great. Like, I think that was like my third inning of work or something. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm feeling pretty good. And he was like, no, like you're throwing pretty hard. Like, I think you might've like, like broken a record or something. <laughs> and I was, I thought he was just joking. So I, was, I just kind of laughed and, and shook it off and, and went out there and threw the rest of the game. And, um, and then I, and then after the game, they, they told me like it was like 105.5. And I mean, I would have never known if I didn't, if they didn't tell me. And Ben, for you, in all seriousness, you know, do your coaches at, at the beginning of, you know, you topping 105 ever have that conversation with you about, hey, maybe don't do this as frequently? Or did they support it with the Tommy John stuff? Uh, I mean, they, they were definitely cautious with me, but they were, I mean, they, they, they were never like, hey, don't, don't do this. It was kind of, they knew that that was just kind of the picture that I was going to be. And they didn't really want to try to like hold me back at all. So, um, yeah, it, it was more just like, be more more with our care like with your body to, to prepare yourself and and all that uh it was a little more of that and the less like be cautious with the throwing to be honest man ben you know you did our boy evan dirty he's a three-time guest this show that that's our that's our guy and you know he already's got to deal with the filth of of burns and and you know and beam and and Dolander and everybody else and then here you come throwing 105 like you know my guy didn't get much sleep last season you know that yeah no it was it was honestly awesome how how excited he was every time uh it really honestly fired me up a little bit more he would text me like the night before like if we knew I was probably gonna pitch he'd be like dude I can't sleep I'm so excited to catch you <laughs> uh stuff like that so it was it was pretty awesome and I mean he'd give me like some fist bumps on the mound he put down a fastball and like be shaking his head like it was it was awesome he, you know, he always fired me up when I was pitching you know did you and the guys because we had we had most of the pitching staff on early in the season um before you know a lot of these things happen did you guys ever like you know really just tell Evan how proud you know you were of him because you know he never caught before and then here he was out there um you know catching for the best arms in baseball yeah, I mean, we were we were always just kind of. I mean, it was crazy how he transitioned into a catcher so well, and how how great he did handling the staff. And I mean, honestly, I think above all, what what helped was how how good of a person he was, and and how good he was at communicating with the, with the pitchers. Uh, I think that really helped, just kind of that transition and and help him get close to the pitching staff and know all the pitchers. So I mean, we we definitely told him many times, and I still tell him like how awesome it is throwing to him and. And how well he did this past year. Yeah, absolutely. So in that same game that you, you know, get clocked on that, you know, you threw four innings of uh, scoreless work against Auburn, who was a ranked team. So, you know, not only do you throw this 105.5 mile an hour fastball, but you absolutely go in there and dominate against a, a you know, a big time team. So how did it feel, you know, not just the throwing that, that pitch that fast, but, you know, the overall performance, uh, especially against an SEC opponent like that? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, it was exciting to, to go multiple innings like that and, and maintain the velocity. And I mean, I think that honestly really helped kind of help me in the draft, just knowing that I could maintain that velocity for multiple innings. Um, and then, I mean, beat, beating Auburn was awesome because they had beat us um, the day before and it, it was a one, one series. Um, and we really wanted to win that game. It was kind of chippy the day before. So getting to win that game was awesome. And I mean, we were all fired up after that one. I think it kind of was another momentum builder just kind of, throughout the season 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's let's get into the postseason. You know, it was only for a third of an inning, but you did get to experience that regional crowd, be on that mound in Lindsey Nelson against Alabama State. You know, we talked about the fields of the first time you got out there against Georgia Southern, but now we're talking about regionals, packed house. You know, what was that like? Yeah, that was awesome. It was really exciting. Just the, the fan support was super awesome to see. Um, I mean, they were into it the whole game, every game. Um, I mean, there was people in the watch party outside. The, the whole place was, was packed out, so that was awesome. And I mean, we were really kind of feeding off that energy, I felt like, the whole time. Um, and, I mean, it was, it was awesome to be able to pitch. And, I mean, it, it was only a third of an inning, but it was awesome to, to get out there and, and see that from on the field and, and get to feel that energy from the crowd. Yeah, I mean, it was, like you said, it's only a third of an inning, but it doesn't matter. The opportunity just to go out there and yeah. throw that electricity, no doubt. So, you know, you get to pitch against Notre Dame and Super Regionals. You you throw another four scoreless innings, no different than Auburn, but the damage had already been done. But nonetheless, you were talking about that crowd. Obviously, I mean, you had a, a packed-out crowd inside. There was 6,000 people outside, you know, um, to come in on that stage, you know, what, what was like, obviously, like I said, I know the damage had been done before, but it doesn't matter. You're pitching in super regionals and you go out there and you throw four scoreless, you know, talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I was also just kind of trying to do what I could keep to the game. I mean, trying to get out there and pitch as long as I could and give us a chance to come back. We, we kind of started climbing back. I think it ended up being eight to five, uh, the final score. So we kind of started climbing back there at the end. We had a chance the last inning. Um, just trying to save the bullpen, trying to give us a chance to get back in. And, I mean, having that crowd there was awesome, just keeping us in the game. And, I mean, they never they never really left, even when we went down 8-1. Uh, they, they never left, and they were just there supporting us the whole time. And, and then we went out the next day, won the game with them. And, I mean, it just, it, it, obviously we fell short on the third day, but, that, I mean, the crowd was there the whole time and behind us the whole way. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously – Things didn't work out. We even had Jack Brannigan from Notre Dame on here, the guy who absolutely had the weekend against you guys. And he himself um, kept it real. He said, y'all are the best team in baseball. I think anybody who watched college baseball knows y'all are the best team. Um, and, and the best team doesn't always win at all. We know that. We've actually seen it since 1999. Whoever's ranked number one ha hasn't um, got it done. Um, so, you know, I think there was no, no doubt that y'all were the best team. It, it was just, you know, unfortunately they were the better team that weekend as he, as he put it. Um, but, you know, I just want to commend you and your teammates, man, because, uh, as an LSU guy, it was absolutely fun to watch y'all the entire season across the board, pitching, hitting, and, you know, I, I hate that it came up short, but, um, I don't regret any minute that I watched Tennessee baseball. And so, man, just shout out to you and your team for last year. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was it was definitely an unforgettable season. I mean, obviously, we, we would have loved to win the whole thing and, and finish it off like that. But, I mean, that's – I mean, lifelong memories with, with those guys for sure. And, you know, you kind of talk about that in not winning the whole thing. And there was a lot of speculation, not just with you, but with Drew and with Evan and a bunch of other guys about potentially running it back a following year to try to get that natty with Tony. And, and how much of that was true for you? Did you speculate, you know, maybe I do want to come back for another year or was it just straight up business? No. Yeah. I mean, it definitely made the decision a lot harder. And um, I mean, any, any chance I could get to, to play for him, I'm obviously going to consider it. And, but I mean, obviously I had to do, do what was best for me um, in the end, but I mean, it was definitely a, a decision where I, I would have been 
completely happy going back for another year and, and playing with him and playing with those guys. And I mean, my brother's coming back this coming year. So that would have been exciting to play with him. There's definitely a lot of things that went into it that made it a lot harder of a decision. Hey, Mike, I'll tell you this, you know, I said Tommy White was the last guest. Uh, Daniel, I'll tell you straight up, he said, no, no joke, Ben, this is, this is, Props to you, because you know Tommy White does nothing but drop bombs. He said he didn't want nothing to do with you, and he was glad you moved on. Have you seen the kid? I mean, gee, gee, it's just it's it's a cheat code. Honestly, you're something that's created in the show or Madden. It's insane. But in all seriousness, go ahead, DB. My bad. I I was gonna say it just hit me. We just we just put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Tommy White didn't go to Tennessee because he didn't visit. He didn't go to Tennessee because he couldn't be, you know, teammates with Ben Joyce. So he, he was like, I'm going to Tennessee if that dude comes back because I don't want to face him. Yeah. When he decided to <laughs> leave, funny. he went on over to LSU. So there it is. Boom. We got all the icebreakers tonight. It's insane. Yeah. We got we were dropping bombs. We're dropping bombs. But in all seriousness, we get back to the show, kind of talking about it. You know, you're looking at the third round, 89th pick overall to the Los Angeles Angels. For you, where were you in that moment? Who was with you? And and what was the entire draft process like for you? Yeah, I was I, I was at my house with my parents, my brother. Uh, a couple guys from the team were there. My girlfriend was there. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of a smaller group of people. And, I mean, we were just hanging out. And there was a chance I was going to go the first night. Um, but that didn't end up working out. And then going into the second day, I mean, that day moves a lot faster. And it was kind of like I had to have my phone ready at all times. And I got a call. It was like, hey, be ready. Like, you could be coming up here. And then, like, two picks before I got a call, it was like, you want to be a, you want to be an angel? And I was like, I almost like couldn't talk for a second. Like it was, it was kind of, it was one of those surreal feelings where I couldn't get any words out. And I ended up being like, yeah, let's do it or something. I don't even remember what I said. I think I blacked out a little bit. And then, uh, and then I mean, just just having them all there was awesome hearing my name get called and um, just going through that whole process was pretty crazy. Now, Ben, I've heard I've heard a couple of people say a couple of different things. I'm a buddies with some guys on the Chicago Cubs, and sometimes they're talking to the head coach. Sometimes they're talking to obviously the GM. For you, who gave you that call? Who who notified you that you were going to the league when you answered that phone? Yeah, I got a call from from the GM, um, and my agent was the first one to call me, and then the GM called me right after uh, just to congratulate me and stuff. But um, yeah, I got the call from my agent. He was like, be ready here. Like, your name's going to get called. And and I went back there. And I, I didn't tell my parents who it was or, like, what pick it was. I was like, hey, you guys might want to, like, watch watch this one. And then it ended up hearing my name get called. So that, that was a pretty awesome experience. That's sick. That's sick. And, you know, it's always a plus when you don't have to talk to Joe Madden. But that's my personal <laughs> That's the Cubs fan talking. I'm not getting anybody in trouble. DP, I'm not getting anybody in trouble. It's okay. I said it. I take full responsibility for it. But, uh, you know, you have been with the AA officiate Rocket City Trash Pandas. I mean, Jim Mm -hmm. already mentioned it. We talked a little bit about it before we started airing. One of the best and most prestigious all minor league baseball everybody knows them even if you don't watch minor league baseball I mean you know about the trash pandas so for you you pitched in 13 games with 13 innings pitched one and oh record with 29 strikeouts a lot of video clips around social media and it seems like there is even more uh, movement of of the fastball 
has it been a change in the grip or for you really what's been going on mechanically to really just get your stuff going the way you want it to go? Uh, honestly, I, I didn't change anything mechanically or, or grip wise. It was more just, I think, I think going from college to the, to the minors, it was almost a more of a fine tune in that focus. And I mean, you, you can't get away with, with the pitches that you get away with in college as often as, as you do. Um, so it's it just kind of fine tuning that focus and, and figuring out like where you need to throw your fastball, where you need to throw your slider off your fastball and um, pitch sequencing and stuff like that. I, I feel like there's just a lot more mentally that went into it and that kind of led to, to more success in the long run. Without a doubt. And obviously you come from a prestigious pitching school in college at Tennessee and they're doing mm -hmm. amazing things over there. But for you kind of being in a major league type system, you know, really understanding that you have some of the best coaches at the helm with you. Um, what really goes into that and kind of just staying with working with the coaching staff. Talk to me about the secondary pitches and where you have been progressed most and what you need to do to, to improve on the most and how can they really help you with that? Yeah, for me, it was it was awesome. I mean, right when I got there, I, they started working with my slider grip. Um, they're trying to, I mean, uh, this is something I've kind of wanted to do, but uh, try, to, try to get my slider to be just a little bit harder, um, tunnel, tunnel my fastball a little bit better. And I mean, they're working with the, with the slow motion cameras and the analytics and everything just kind of telling me what I need to do and, and to try this, try this grip. And it's just kind of a feel thing, but I mean, they're working with me every step of the way and show me a bunch of different grips. And, and then after, after I pitch, I get to see kind of the results of it and um, where it plays best in the zone. Just a lot more analytics that go into it at that level. And um, I, think, I think it's going to be beneficial in the long run to have those as I'm working on the slider. I think, I think it's almost where I want it to be, but I mean, there's definitely a little more work that can go into it. Without a doubt. And speaking on a little bit more work, obviously, you know, there's a lot of different things guys can do in the off season, but really it's all about you and, and how much work you want to put into it. So mm -hmm. until spring training arrives, what are you doing yourself that you think you can do to help benefit your game? Yeah. I mean, I've already, I've already started my off season lifting routine. Uh, I'm going through that at Tennessee. And, and one big thing I'm focusing on is mobility and, and just trying to, to stay loose and stay healthy. Um, I think that's going to help me a lot more in the long run. Um, and, and then obviously one of my, my main things once I start throwing off the mound is uh, working on that slider. I really wanted to, to be where I needed to be by spring training. And, and that's kind of probably my big goal for the off season. Without a doubt. And, you know, just, just throwing it out there, Jim and I kind of already hinted at it, you know, and I'm sure you got the best of the best. But we got a lifting specialist over here in DB that I'm sure if you came down to Tampa <laughs> a little bit, he'll get you right. We'll get you right. We'll take you down to the, the University of Tampa and we'll put you through the performance center, man. It's uh it's legit, man. It's uh hey, that's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, man. I, I do have a question in regards to working out though. Um, you know, what is it, you know, obviously with the stress fracture and the Tommy John, do the angels organization do they put any limitations on what you should or shouldn't be doing and do they develop the program for you or is this something that you're strictly doing on your own and you know you and a couple people that are working together in the off season no they, they actually don't put any any limitations on me from that um we did a whole assessment when we got there just kind of seeing how we move and what maybe deficiencies we have or what we're strong in um, mobility wise and strength wise. And then 
they kind of built a program off of that. Um, so it's something that I follow throughout the off season. Uh, they'll just send us every week what, what our lifts are and videos if we need to see them of what we need to do. But it's, it's very individualized and um, just I didn't get any limitations or anything. So I guess I didn't see any anything too serious from those two injuries. Gotcha. You know, it's always nice when you can like have a little bit of freedom and flexibility and they kind of put together the things that you like to do. Um, you know, one of the things that, mm -hmm. you know, makes the most difference in my opinion is if you're in the weight room with like-minded people that have a similar focus. Is there anybody now that you're working with that are maybe players that you play with at Tennessee or anybody else that you're working out with in the off season over there? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a pretty good group of pro guys over here right now. Um, and now that Coach Q's back, the uh, the old strength coach that he left for this past season with the Cubs and then came back uh, this year. So he's been over here. Um, it's been awesome to have him back. And, I mean, we got guys Drew Gilbert here, uh, Jarrell Ortega, Mark McLaughlin, uh, Lane Thomas, just a bunch of guys just coming through, working out. And it's cool to just see everyone – kind of doing their own thing, but also trying to get what they can from other people and, and like see what they're doing on their program that they like and just kind of pick the minds of everyone that's over there. So it's a pretty good group of guys. I mean, before long, University of Tennessee is going to have to build a, a training facility just for pro athletes because <laughs> you guys are building a stable over there, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially with baseball. But um band man is it's been a pleasure but before we let you run man we got to play a game same game Let's we play it. with all our guests dude it's called this or that and it's very simple i give you two two options all you got to do is pick one option or the other can't say okay. both can't say neither just be be decisive and, and and pick whatever one comes to your heart i like it let's do it all right coming out the gate slow softball question would you rather have pizza or tacos? Tacos. Taco. It's Tuesday. Did you have tacos today? I actually did not. I would have loved some tacos, though. I got to ask, man. You, you know, you're a young guy. You obviously, though, you're, you're in very good shape. You know, Mike is a young guy. He's in okay shape. I'm all right. But, but Mike's, Mike's a guy who's going to hit Taco Bell. Are your tacos from Taco Bell, or are you – are you uh, a little more upscale than that? Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't think I've, I've eaten Taco Bell ever in my life. I ain't even mad at it. Yeah, hey, you know, we, you know, you said we talked about cheese too much, Daniel, but my man's love for McDonald's threw me a little bit. Man, he can't be a pro athlete eating McDonald's. I can't believe he came on here talking about how, how much he eats McDonald's. <laughs> hey, it, here's what I'll tell you. I bet Michael Jordan is all about McDonald's. I bet Michael Jordan's 60 years old, so it's okay to be all about McDonald's, though. I'm telling you, when he was in his prime, he was all about McDonald's because they're cashing – he's cashing checks from them dudes. 100%. 100%. So, next question. Daddy hat or fur coat? Got to get rid of one, can only keep one. Which one are you keeping? Which one are you getting rid of? I feel like we got to keep the fur coat. I mean, those <coughs> those pictures were, were the probably the – the highlight of every hitter's hitter's day when they hit a home run, having that fur coat on. 
I uh, I heard that uh, fur coat was going into the University of Tennessee uh, Sports Hall of Fame. Um, they, Not that one, Daniel. Tony V said that one needs to be thrown out. Yeah, yeah they, they might need to wash it first. It's a little. Yeah, they might need to get a dry clean or something. It's got it's got a little funk to it. I bet. Yeah. All right, Ben. Are you a beach guy or a lake guy? I'm mean, gonna have to say beach. Would you rather um, – who who has better bombs? Who hits better bombs, Gilbert or Beck? Oh, I'm going to make someone mad here. Uh, I'm going to have to say Gilbert because I feel like he puts the bat flip with it too. Mm-hmm. Man. Oh, it's, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Mike Hancho puts the middle finger with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one wasn't even a bomb. Yeah, now, Ben. Can I ask you this though? How important is the walk with the pin? I mean, the flip is easy. Oh. Flip is easy, but how important is your strut? Because Drew, Drew goes crazy with it. He walks like a pimp. I think that's that's the most important part. I think that's why I picked him, just because like he does the walk and then flips it. It just it just goes together so well. Let me tell you who I'm not strutting on. It's Ben Joyce because I'm not taking 105 off my backside. <laughs> Nope. Yeah. No, like, Jim, that's the thing. You don't got to worry about you. You got to worry about the guy after you. It's not a problem. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know what? Finally, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that this question came up. All right. And I need total honesty. I feel like you've been honest with us this whole time. All right. If if Jordan Becker or, or Drew Gilbert are on the other team, all right. Mm-hmm. And they do what they do off of you what are you doing murder <laughs> i mean if they, if they hit a home run off me i'm probably not gonna i mean they beat me like they can kind of do whatever they want but i mean if i beat drew gilbert i'm probably gonna give him a like a something back i don't know yeah i, I think it, i mean I, I think it's great that dolander said when he when he transferred in from um georgia southern that drew gilbert made sure to remind him every day that he hit a home run and bat flipped on him <laughs> yeah you know, I, I actually remember him doing that quite a few times it's uh i'm gonna tell you this ben i i hate when athletes waste these given talents and sir you have a talent of throwing 105 and that talent comes with striking people out and retaliation <laughs> so so don't waste it man don't waste that's it. True. What he's that's trying to true. say is it's okay to be a part of the beam team. You can hit a couple guys here and there. Yes, yeah. Sir. No, I, I've, I've hit a few guys, but I can't say they were on purpose. Hey, maybe, maybe hopefully it won't come to that. As, as, a matter, yeah. as a matter of fact, Daniel, I actually, I, I think I got a, a problem with old Ben. Didn't you hit Cameron James on the elbow in Starkville? I did, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's our little bro. Why are you going on the elbow, too? Be careful, bro. Yeah, I actually saw him after that. Um, I, uh, I forgot who he was with, but I saw him after that. He was like, dude, that was not fun or something like that. But, yeah, I, I mean, it was hot and my hands were sweating. It was nothing personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there ain't, there ain't an Evo Shield maid that can – keep that from not hurting jeez <laughs> I mean, all right back to the questions would you rather play wiffle ball or would you rather play dodgeball dodgeball i'm on your team that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> would you or who's more iconic 
Kirby Connell's mustache or Ben Joyce is fastball. Oh, I feel like I'm going to have to go Kirby. Everyone knows that mustache. I mean, uh, I feel like you broke a world record. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go with my fastball. I was just trying to be a nice roommate. I roomed with him last year. The, the uh, fact that Ben comes on here and says his fastball is more iconic, but Camden came on here and said his hair was better. <laughs> Very true. That doesn't shock me. Would you rather go to a concert or a sporting event? Now, I'll put this in parameters for you. It could be like bucket list concert versus bucket list sporting event. Mm. I'm probably going to have to go bucket list sporting event. All right. What is the bucket list sporting event? I'd have to say like a, like a Super Bowl. I'd like to go to a Super Bowl. Who, who is your favorite NFL team. Pittsburgh Steelers. He said that earlier, yeah. Oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, they, they beat the Bucks this, this weekend. I guess I just tried to We're not going to go to Super Bowl too. this year, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Hey, they're, they're, you don't believe in money, Mitch? Gee, I'm, that's crazy. No. <laughs> no. The only one. You, only you don't even believe in them. You know he, what it he, is? Are you kidding me? Mike wants them back in Chicago. You know what it oh, is? You know what it is? It's uh it's the facial, the facial features, man. I mean, he just looks too much like me. How can you not root for a guy like me? You know? Very true. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Would you rather be a hero or a villain? I mean, I feel like I gotta go villain because I guess that's what everyone thought we were at, at Tennessee. Yeah. So. You know. I'm I'm shocked you didn't go hero because I was going to ask you who your favorite hero is and why is it Evan Russell because that dude is <laughs> oh my god true, truly he, the he hero. would love that wow I need I need to text him that um I mean when you throw like you know we mentioned that the names that are on the bump on a day to day basis that that guy's having to to wake up and willingly go you know what if if I'm going to be in the lineup this is what I get to do today. Can't wait to catch catch 103. Oh, followed up by 104. Oh, follow that up with 105. And then you know what? I'll just drop in a 91 mile an hour change up just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that we we bring Evan up because uh unanimously across the board, Ben, when we've asked that question to your teammates, they've all said villain too. They've all embraced it. Not Evan, though. Evan said he doesn't like people not liking him. So he wanted a hero <laughs> role. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Ben, have you ever crossed up Evan or any catcher and thrown a fastball up, when they thought something was coming, something else? No, I haven't crossed him up, but I actually told him about one time. I, he gave me a sign, and I came set, and I was like, I feel like he, he said fastball, but I don't know for sure, and I just threw a fastball. And I told him about it after, and he, like, almost punched me in the face. He was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he's, he's like, please please step off next time and just like, yeah. let's, let's, let's just redo that again. That was the closest I've ever come. I, I never actually crossed them up. Gotcha. All right. Last question. And this is a question that I keep trying to retire, but it keeps finding its way onto my script. It's important. I, I guess, important. I guess this is an important question. Would you rather spend 10 years in a coma or five years in jail? Hmm. Like five years in jail. Oh man, because at least I I could be like doing something. I don't know. 
Jim, well, how many points are we in right now? Would would ten years just go by like like that fast? If you're just like that, you just wake up. But, like, but hold okay, on, yeah, I put that I, I put that on here for a reason. I put that question on here for a reason, Mike. His coach Tony V talked about reading an article talking about what it does to your body to lay there for ten years and actually oh, get sure. up. And he gave a little bit more in depth insight. And so he said for that reason, you know, he'd give him prison. Now, Ben, yeah. I want to also remind you what going to prison for five years could potentially do to your body, and there are many different ways you can go with <laughs> hey, that. Here, here's, here's the thing. All his teammates have basically chose prison, so they're going to all be in there together. They got each other's back. They're oh, gonna it's going to be it. lit. It's going to be lit. Drew's going to be talking shit. We're going to have Ben in here <laughs> throwing the punches to fight everybody off. I mean, I mean, think about Ben loves the weight room. He'll, he'll get it done in there. Right. We're going to try to get as strong as I can for a couple months. Ben, ben just said he wasn't throwing at nobody in retaliation and then he's gonna turn around here and go yeah i could make prison no hey, problem this, this is prison talk bro it's a different mentality all ben needs is one can of corn to buy from the prison cafeteria and he just has to threaten everybody to throw 105 at him and he'll be straight he'll be fine. very true very true man i i tell everybody this ben i i'm 38 and i know in at my life in the stage that i'm at i know what i'm good at and what i'm not good at I've never, I've never been to jail, but I can tell you this. I would not be good at that at all. <laughs> but what I am good at is sleeping and napping and resting and laying down. So give me the 10 years in a coma. I'll wake up. I'll figure it out. You know, like I ain't going to jail. Just, just not. That ain't for me. Yeah, that's very fair. I, I completely understand that. All right, Ben, man, it's, it's, it's been awesome. What a, what a great story. We are glad and blessed to, to be able to finally get you on, man. Anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? Uh, I do not have anything. Uh, actually, I do have one thing. Um, and uh, it's on my Instagram and my Twitter. Um, it's called Alex's Lemonade Stand. Uh, it's to support childhood cancer. Um, there's a link in my bio on Instagram. Um, if, if anyone feel, wants to feel free to donate, that'd be awesome. That's dope. I got you. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's a couple weeks in a row. We've had really character guys and, and just a testament to you, a testament to, um, really your, your, your parents and how you were brought up, man. That's, that's good shit, dude, man. Thank you. Um, Ben, I will help everybody out. If you want to know about Ben, the Ben Joyce, the person, the athlete, you know, if you want to go over to Alex's lemonade stand, you need to go on over to Instagram, type in Ben underscore Joyce zero eight in the bio. He's got Alex's lemonade stand. You can go, you can donate, you can support pediatric cancer, man. You can support the cause. You can, you know, just see what Ben's up to, man. See what it's like to be a dude. You just a day in the life of a dude that just throws a casual one Oh five from the bump. No big deal. No big deal at all. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, man. Also, they can check you out. Trash Panda Baseball. Um, hopefully at some point, you know, Angels MLB will get to see you on there as well. Ben, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming out, man. And if there's anything that we can do for you along the way, please reach out to us. Awesome. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you all. Absolutely. That's Ben Joyce, everybody. If you like hearing Ben's story or you just like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor. 
as always, comments, ratings, shares, likes, feedback, all that stuff is, is, is much appreciated. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're back again, but this time we're going to switch gears. We're going to be talking professional fighting with MMA stars Jesse Parker and Keon Lucas. This has been the End Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out. <laughs>